0: This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 187 of the Catholic Foodie, Lent, Soup and Stories with the Practicing Catholics. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we're talking about Lent. We are still in Lent, I have about one week left of Lent. Uh, matter of fact, we are uh, t- tomorrow, I think, is Palm Sunday, and then we enter into Holy Week. And a couple of weeks ago, I was very excited. We had Lisa Schmidt of the thepracticingcatholic.com uh, join us on the Around the Table Food Show. And I know it happened a couple of weeks ago, but we are still in Lent, and there is a lot of value in the conversation that I want to share. Share with you today. So I'm going to just introduce this a little bit and we're going to get into the meat of the show right here at the Catholic Foodie where food meets faith. That's right. You, you caught that, right? Uh, the, the meat of the show, since we're talking uh, Lent and soup and, and stories. And, uh, you know, that's always uh, a, a thing that's peculiar, I guess, to to folks, whether they are uh, non-Catholic uh, or or former Catholics or you know, we have traditions, we have things that we do. And, and, and one of those things is that we, we do not eat meat on Fridays in Lent. And of course, the bishops across the world have uh, tried to uh, encourage us to forgive Go Eating Meat uh, on all Fridays of the Year. And uh, that, that has come out even recently uh, by the U.S. Uh, bishops uh, trying to encourage us to, uh, to, to fast and to pray, to abstain, to sacrifice and to, to pray, uh, particularly for uh, issues regarding life, uh, the pro-life uh, initiatives. And uh, so anyway, but, but the fact is, is that whether you are a Catholic or non-Catholic or um, former Catholic or whatever it may be, these traditions... Traditions stay with you and uh, you either know someone who's Catholic or if you were a Catholic yourself at one point and have fallen away, um, it's hard to let go of some of these traditions. And that's a good thing. God made us that way. So I always joke, you know, I'm down here in South Louisiana. I always joke around about the fact that uh, even the uh, the non-Catholics around here abstain from meat on uh, Fridays and Lent. It's always funny to drive down the the street and see a billboard advertising a, a Friday Lenten f- uh, fish fry. And it's actually like the Presbyterian Church or, or some other church that is uh, holding that that fish fry. I think that's uh, it's good. It's good. It's a good thing. So anyway, we have Lisa Schmidt. You know, Lisa, I've been uh, keeping an eye on uh, the practicing Catholic for, for quite a while. And uh, Lisa and her husband, Joel, uh, excellent Catholics. Of course, they are practicing Catholics. And it was just such a joy to have her join us on the show. Uh, I guess it was about two weeks ago now. And, uh, you know, we've had some changes with uh, the Around the Table Food Show. And uh, one of those changes recently is... Is just uh, Dave Dawson, one of the co-hosts, who actually used. He he runs the board. He handles all the particulars, all the uh, you know the electronics, everything that 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 we need to to run the show. He he handles all that for us. Uh, but because his schedule has just gotten so busy, and he has to drive in from Baton Rouge to do the show, the last few weeks he hasn't been there, and so that uh, that job has fallen to me. And that's even though I've been podcasting for a long time, running a board, <laughs> a very big board uh, in a studio, is a little bit different, and and quite honestly, sometimes a little intimidating. I like my little mixer, you know? <laughs> anyway, this uh, this show that I'm about to play for you, this conversation, was between Lisa Schmidt, as I mentioned, and also Monsignor Christopher Nalty, another co-host of the Around the Table Food Show, and uh, I'm going to just uh, segue right into that show right now. It was um, a lot of fun, and I'm just so glad that I'm able to share that with you here today. So we're going to jump right into that after this quick message. Hi, this is Jeff Young, The Catholic Foodie, and I want to invite you to join me on a food and faith pilgrimage to the Holy Land, organized by Select International Tours from February 25th to March 7th, 2015. On this pilgrimage, we will be exploring many of the sites that are featured in my soon-to-be-released cookbook published by Ligori Publications. The name of the book is Around the Table with the Catholic Foodie, Middle Eastern Cuisine, and it is scheduled to be released November 1st. The first 10 people to sign up for this pilgrimage will receive a free autographed copy of the cookbook. On this journey to Israel, we will explore or Bethlehem, Cana, Nazareth, Jerusalem, Jericho, Ein Kerem, and Emmaus. We'll celebrate Mass on the Mount of Beatitudes and sail on the Sea of Galilee. We'll visit Jesus' tomb, the place where he was buried and where he rose from the dead. On this food and faith pilgrimage, we will walk the land of Jesus and taste the culture through the delicious foods of the Middle East, dining in some of the Israel's best restaurants and receiving cooking lessons from some of Israel's top chefs. On this pilgrimage, we will grow in faith together around the table of the Eucharist and around the dinner table as we share some of the same foods that Jesus used to eat. For more information and to register, go to catholicfoodie.com. Welcome to Around the Table. I'm Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie. I'm joined today by Monsignor Christopher Nolte, who is a pastor of Good Shepherd Parish
1: here in New Orleans. Welcome, Monsignor. Happy to be here, Jeff. We're uh, we're missing Dave today, but at least we know we're not going to have to make any mistakes <laughs> about St. Charles Street, or we can even sh- call the show Around, around the, table the Table instead That's of right. Around the Parish without uh, David uh, contradicting us. Hope I hope he's know. listening, though. Well,
0: he probably is. He probably is. Uh, yeah,
1: I'm, I'm sure he is.
0: <laughs> uh, wherever he is today, uh, and it is Friday again in Lent. In Lent. We are in Lent, and... Uh, This is an exciting time. It's sometimes challenging for us down here in New Orleans, don't you think?
1: Well, it can be and it can't be. I think you want it to be challenging because it's Lent. And so you really want to challenge yourself to make sacrifices, to be, you know, do your Lenten duty. And uh, however, on the other hand, uh, since it's, and uh, we're we're required to give up meat during Lent. It's not a bad time to be in Louisiana when you have to eat seafood on Fridays, right? I <laughs> mean, right. Uh, I was over at uh, at at La Petite Grocery uh, the other day, and they have a new special there. He, he's he's frying a complete. Uh, redfish, oh, whole wow. redfish, mm. and serving it with this koubian sauce. He makes you know, is a is a is a dish with fish, you know, like a soup basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he reduces the, the 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 broth in there down, and, and and I think purees the vegetables and makes kind of a sauce out of it. And it was phenomenal. My, oh, you, you, you have to eat it for two. And so my my niece and her and her boyfriend got it, and uh, the thing just came out. It's deep fried, oh, wow. the whole fish. <laughs> but because of that, you can kind of you don't have to eat all the breading. You know, I didn't like eating fried fish. You can kind of break through the breading and get into and boy the the meat was just, the, the meat of that redfish is absolutely phenomenal but mm-hmm. it reminds me of that story i told um last year about uh about chef justin that when when lent started <laughs> he had bought a whole pig you know and he's gonna yeah. eat the thing tailed to snout and uh and the first friday in lent i'm there and i'm and I look at all the menu, and all the all the specials are pork. Yeah, it's fat back and pork belly, and you know pastrami. And I'm like, uh, Justin, look, uh, I'm not trying to be your pastor, all right? I, I'm trying to be your marketing manager. It's a Friday in Lent, buddy. And he's like, No wonder nobody's buying them. But you know, we really have that tradition here, don't we? We we have meat. Uh, we have meatless every Friday. Most restaurants. The normal special on Friday is gonna be fish. You don't serve. It's just con- considered kind of uncouth to to right. you know say that you know Chateaubriand is our special on Friday. It's Friday, you know. So uh, yeah, it's, part, it's anyway. part of
0: our culture. I mean, we have red beans and rice on Monday, and we've right. got uh, seafood on on Friday. Right, right. And uh, you know, it's funny because just the other day, uh, Lent is new. We're still like the first week of Lent, and so you you see in all this uh, talk, mm. at least online. I see it on Facebook and you know, talk about Lent and what are you giving up? But we're still, still very new. We're getting used to this. And someone wrote the other, uh, yesterday, they posted a, an article from last year that was in the Catholic news service. Oh, and they right. right about and the it actually Archbishop. happened
1: four years right, ago. Right. It was actually. actually four years old. But the, <laughs> what I'm
0: talking about is the, um, uh, the whole alligator eating right. an alligator in Lent, <laughs> you know, which is a funny story. Mm-hmm. Uh, in last year, there was actually a, 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 big wave of publicity on both
1: radio and television. Right. About this four-year-old four-year-old letter, yeah. In case they don't read the blogs or Facebook, but but in 2010, Archbishop Amon here in New Orleans was was uh, had a letter written to him by someone involved in the alligator industry. It wasn't just you know somebody who wanted to eat alligator asking if alligators, because they spent their time in the water, could be considered a fish. Uh, for for the purposes of Lent And he wrote them back An official reply The Archbishop yep. And said that no They spend most of their <laughs> lives In the water And so they don't qualify as meat And so the letter Kind of sat there And then somebody Actually you know what I think he did send it To an individual And somebody involved In marketing alligator meat Found it mm-hmm. And kind of mm-hmm. put it out there And so then When it was out there Catholic News Service And USCCB All addressed it And it became this I think it's a great marketing thing For, oh, the, yeah. for the alligator industry And they've done that in other places, at one time, since uh, up in up in Canada, they considered um, beaver cannot be meat because oh, wow. they spend most of their time in the water. And I think even today in Wisconsin, muskrat, muskrat don't, yeah. don't, don't don't qualify. But in the past, in Mexico, it was turtles at one point. Uh-huh, right. And it's about these animals that, that don't spend their time in the water. Now, of course, you're getting a little you know, bit you know, of yeah. uh, pharisaical <laughs> here, right? I mean, you know, the whole point, And frankly, for us, you know, you we say, well, I'm not going to eat, eat my Chateaubriand today. I'm going to have the lobster thermidor instead. You know, so, you know, you, you can you can follow the letter of the law without really following the spirit of it. And the right. spirit of it is a Lenten, a Lenten sacrifice, and and so I, I really I think that you know it's good to try not to eat more than one big meal a day, whether it's meat or fish or anything else. It's a it's a kind of time to to, to kind of voluntarily take on sacrifice, um, so that we can remember that this is the forty days we commemorate Jesus out out in the wilderness, uh, fighting temptation. That's right.
0: It, you know, it, it's funny because last year when this whole all came up, I remember there was a secular. Uh, radio station here in New Orleans that did a piece um, on this story, and they had interviewed me for this, but they also interviewed the archbishop. About the alligator? About the alligator, which is very interesting because at the end of both of our conversations, we kind of came to the same conclusion. It's not really a question of what you're permitted to do, Right. right? Because the call is not, Christianity is not about
1: that. Right. Well, and that's about. what Jesus spoke against, right? I yeah. mean, when he was, he was chastising the Pharisees <laughs> and the Sadducees for wearing their phylacteries and their tassels and everything else, yeah. praying in public, doing all these things for show and, and not letting it go to our heart. And I think that that's what Lent is about is it's a season where... You know the ashes aren't just supposed to be on our forehead. We're supposed to mortify our hearts. We're we're supposed to seek conversion of heart. And the ashes on the outside. And you know, in in some countries they don't they don't put a mark on your head. And in Italy, for instance, they sprinkle the ashes on the crown of your head, so you don't even see the mark. Wow. And I remember the first time that I was when I was working in the Vatican, and I showed up at work with this big smudge of cross <laughs> on my forehead. One of the office managers looked at me, and said, "What do you have on your head?" And I yeah. said, "Which well, Ash Wednesday?" And she said. Well didn't you listen to the gospel? Cuz the whole gospel is about not doing anything to be seen. And so oh, now yeah. you're like wearing oh, yeah. this big smudge on your forehead. <laughs> I'm like, "Well, this is what we do." He said, "Well, this isn't what we do here in 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 the United States. You know, we uh we smudge our heads, but in 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 other countries they they sprinkle." And if you ever saw Pope Francis, he gives out the ashes at Santa Sabina and uh and he just uh, sprinkles them on the forehead, so they don't last. So you don't. Nobody sees them later on. Here, you know, they had drive by. They did drive by ashes on St. Charles Avenue this year. Oh my I God. said, well, if that's all you really want, you know, I'm sure since Mardi Gras descended, you can walk out to the curb. I'm sure there'll be some ash, some some cigarette butts there. Oh, just yeah. grab For some sure. and smudge <laughs> it on your head, and you can be like all the rest of the Pharisees. <laughs> now we're called to convert our hearts, you know, and yeah. and, and that's the, that's the purpose of all these things we give up. And I tell people, you know. Look, sometimes people try to take on too much at Lent. They try to, you know, they maybe maybe turn Lent into a diet time. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you know the New Year's resolutions. So don't try to take on too much. One little thing. I mean, just one little thing. If it's if it's you know, I can't give up candy because I'm going to have a sugar craving. Then give up one candy that you like. Okay, I'm not going to eat a Snickers bar all during Lent because what the purpose of it is is not the act per se. The purpose is to train ourselves to be able to resist temptation. Right. And if we can avoid temptation in little things, like I'm not going to eat a Snickers bar for 40 days, then it helps us to say, "I can avoid temptation when it comes to sinful things." And and we're supposed to give up things that are good, right? I'm I'm, I'm you don't say I'm going to give up, you know, yelling at my children during the- well, no, you're probably you're supposed, supposed to, do to, do to do that all that anyway. the
2: time.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, that's the thing, I, and I can't remember um, who said this. It may have been a saint. It could have been C.S. Lewis. It could have been. GK Chesterton someone someone like that try me, see if I can get him it was something about uh, a splinter like a splinter the 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 pain that a splinter causes is so small right and we complain about that whereas like the fires of hell are like you know so much right. worse you know right, right, but the right. point being that something so small can really have an impact on us yep. and so yep. you think about doing instead of just giving up like eating period or or one category of food like cook without salt right or don't no, add I cream do that. or That's sugar too much. to your That's coffee. That's too much. Cooking without I mean, salt It's like, like giving up coffee. Think about it, though. You're you're you are uh, you're eating. You're sustaining yourself, mm-hmm. but you are really hitting hitting yourself hard where it counts. Right, the yeah. pleasure part of yeah. Yeah. not having the cream and sugar in my coffee, but I'm still having it black. It's it's torture, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so that would be almost. Uh, I remember one year, and this is going way back, uh, when I because I believe it or not, when I was younger, I was a picky eater. <laughs> and I was a really, really and now, picky now there's eater. nothing you won't eat. And that's right. And one, uh, one uh, Lent, I did. I said, you know, I'm just gonna whatever's placed in front of me, I'm gonna eat it without complaining. Huh. That was probably the the hardest Lent I ever had. Really? Yeah, wow. was but tough. you learned a lot. Look I what did. you did. Look what happened. I
1: Became a Catholic Maybe that's foodie. what happened. Maybe that's, that's a, what it was. God, you know, God those. works through our sacrifices to, that's right. for His own purposes. And, that's right. And it's those little ones that we do. You know, I I think you know people say about well, we should do positive things, Journal, and I agree with that. We are trying to train ourselves, but that we can we can find moments of grace, and uh, and even if we we find them in ways that we don't expect through the temptation, but going to mass. I mean, I, I think going to mass. You see a lot of people when, when lunch starts, you see, starting to see more people at mass going to daily mass. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a great thing because they know that in their temptations, they need God's grace and God's, God's help. And so they, they come to mass and they, it helps them to get through you know, not just the the little temptations of the little sacrifices they're making, you know, f- as part of their Lenten pilgrimage, but 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 the big ones, you know, resisting temptation in, in terms of sin, you know, that we yeah. see all around us all the time. That's right. But I, I always look forward to Lent, you know, and, you know, at least here in New Orleans. It's easy to look forward to because, man, after two, three weeks of Mardi Gras, oh, I'm just like burnout. Burn out. out. You know, I'm oh, like no. I'm ready to just not go out, you know, not <laughs> not you know not eat overeat, not eat like three times a day, not you know drinking too much. I mean, it's just it's so much. It's so good to it's so good to have land and to try to live a good one. That's right. And we're going to talk to someone
0: shortly too uh, about their ideas and their practice during lead. But for right now, we need to take a break, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Jeff Young, producer and host of the Catholic Foodie Podcast and co-host of the Around the Table Food Show. I want to invite you to join me each week as I discuss food, faith, and family. From food in the Bible to delicious recipes that you can prepare any night of the week, from on-location, restaurant reviews, and in-depth conversations with local chefs to interviews with cookbook authors and more, you will find inspiration and encouragement to get into the kitchen and to gather with your family as often as possible around the table. You'll find all this and more at catholicfoodie.com, where food meets faith. Welcome back to Around the Table. This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie, here with Monsignor Nalty, Monsignor Christopher
1: Nalty of the Archdiocese of New Orleans, and uh, we're talking Lent. All right, still talking Lent and how hard it is for us down here in South Louisiana with all of the all the uh, seafood we have to to, to deal with those uh, those cravings of, uh, of, of fish on Friday. Uh, and and yeah, I th- I think it's it, it's wonderful that we have so many ways to to um to to live our Lent here. Uh, but you know, like we were talking about before the break, we just need to make sure that we're doing things not just for the show and not just for the legality of of the Lenten discipline of uh, of abstention on on Fridays, but but tru- truly trying to live a, a poverty of spirit during Lent. You know, it's a it's an important time to kind of recover that because we have enough fe- feast days in the church, especially down yeah. here. We oh, celebrate yeah. them so much. We we celebrated Mardi Gras in such a wonderful way. Even though it was the coldest Mardi Gras since 1899, Ew, yeah. <laughs> um, and then and we have our little feast during during uh, Lent. We'll talk a little bit later about the Saint Joseph Day altars, which yeah. is such a tradition here because of all the the people from Sicily who emigrated here in the 1800s. But uh, but you know it's 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 interesting also to learn about how people celebrate Lent in other places where um, you know where fish is not something that they normally eat, you know, they have to be much more creative in coming up with something meatless. You know, there people I know a lot of places do like eggs, you know, or, you know, quiche or something like that, or they'll eat salads or or soups, right? You know, different kind of meatless soups, which we're, we we're big down here. So, uh, so, you know, it's good to, it's good to hear about other, other places and other people and and how they, and they don't have the poverty of fish like we do. Yes.
0: Yes. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. I'm always intrigued at uh, how things are done in different places and we're, we're actually very blessed today to have someone join us. We have Lisa Schmidt, who is part of a uh, a blogging team there, a husband and wife blogging team uh, at ThePracticingCatholic.com. Uh, Lisa, you there?
2: I'm here. Thanks so much for inviting me on your show.
0: Uh, oh, it's a pleasure to have you. You know, uh, the first thing I've got to ask you is, where does this, uh, this title, The Practicing Catholic, come from?
2: My husband. No. <laughs> you know, we, it's just... Okay, so um, I don't know, probably four or five years ago, we were out in our yard here in Des Moines, Iowa, and we were getting our garden ready for for the year, and we've been talking about, we thought that... We were called to to start a blog um, because we were people who both—people in our parish would call and ask us questions and, you know, do the apologetic things with us and want to know, why does the Church say this? Why does the Church teach this? And so we felt the Holy Spirit was just leading us to share our witness online. And what we felt was, you know, these people that were asking us questions— we were good practicing Catholics who went to church on Sunday. They just didn't know the whys and the hows and the ifs and all of that. So we wanted to say, okay, this is for the practicing Catholic out there who um, wants to dive into their faith just a little bit more, wants to learn more about the church teaching, and wants to be able to also share a faithful witness with people who might come to them asking them the same questions that they once had asked of us.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's... Uh... That's a, that's very needed today. I think. I think
1: so too. Yeah. Well, we all we're all called, uh, you know, sharing the mission of the church. Right? The mission of the church is to bring the the gospel to others, and we do it in larger, big ways. You know, when when the pope stands out and on his balcony or sends a Twitter, it goes to everybody, and and then and then you know you see the bishops responding to what the Holy Father's saying. They try to pass that on to their. They're uh, their priests who try to pass on to their people, and it doesn't end there. The, the people have to go out there into the, uh, into the marketplace and places where the gospel isn't being heard uh, or where it is being heard and just not being absorbed. And, mm. uh, and, and I know, I think it's a great title, Practicing Catholic. I've been practicing for 51 years, and yeah. I am I'm, I'm, I'm still haven't gotten good at it. I know. <laughs> I always uh, joke
0: about uh, doctors practicing, right? They they practice right. on us, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but it's right. true. It's like as a Catholic, I'm I'm still practicing. Hopefully, get get pretty good at this thing before
1: it's all over.
2: Well, yeah, that's like you know to get to Carnegie Hall. What do you have to do? Practice, practice, practice. practice, practice, practice. practice. So it's yeah. the same thing as a Catholic, right?
1: Well, we're all practicing for the final judgment, right? You know, yes. <laughs> we want to to make a good audition at that uh, at that particular time. <laughs> Well, you were That's saying, right. uh, Jeff was saying that, Lisa, that you had, uh, you're had you doing a, a soup uh, thing during Lent this year, huh?
2: We are. We are. Last year, some friends of ours invite, invited us over for dinner, and they served us soup, and they told us about their tradition, how they were eating soups every night of Lent. So I kind of filed that thought away. I thought it was so clever and novel, and I filed it away. And then when 2014 rolled around, and my husband and I started talking about what we wanted to do as a family, we, we brought this back out, this idea of soups. And because I have the blog, of course, I started to think, you know, this might make a nice series at the blog. And um, we just, I decided to reach out to a handful of friends who are also bloggers or have some sort of a an online presence and ask them if they might be willing to join me. And I've been overwhelmed by the response. I think I have about 24 people who have decided to jump on the bandwagon and um, share a soup. And um, so I've been blogging about that already this Lent.
1: So are you doing a different soup every day of Lent?
2: Well, that's the great thing about soups is because typically a pot of soup can get you a couple days, right? right? exactly. So (laughs) I'm... we, I have, see, I've had leftovers once since Ash Wednesday, but the thing about me is I am um, an at-home mom, and um, lunch was always an area of stress for me and my kids, and I'm also a homeschooling mom, so we've got, you know, a busy morning with schooling, and then lunch comes, and I'm scrambling to get something together that's healthy, so what I've been doing is serving, at least for myself and my oldest, um, a, a leftover bowl of soup too for lunch, so okay. we probably... Wouldn't have to make so many scoops, had you know, if I wouldn't be eating them for lunch. But I've decided to kind of just let it consume my entire day, except for breakfast.
1: Yeah. Well, you can have a. a- a soup for breakfast, too, I guess. Well, but, uh, <laughs> I
2: could, <yeah.
1: laughs> We're kind of funny in South Louisiana. When we think about making soup, we don't just make soup for like, uh, you know, 10 or 15. I mean, we get pots to make soup for like 60. okay, oh, yeah. And then we, then we freeze like 30, you know, Tupperware containers of it to last us for the next uh, until the next hurricane comes and everything's defrosted out of there. But uh, you know we, we we love our soups down here. Now your your soups are uh, you you're using your ingredients you have around there. What what are your what are your basics basics for your soups?
2: Yep, yeah, well, basically you know the chicken broth or okay. broth or vegetable broth on Fridays. Um, tonight I we're gonna have a roasted red pepper soup with uh, smoked paprika and basil cream, and that was just the base of um, you know of uh, vegetable broth, and then. Red, uh, red peppers that I roasted um, under the broiler so you know a lot of I've, I've really enjoyed grocery shopping because I'm spending most of my time on the perimeters and according to dieticians that's where you should spend most of your time right where the, the fresh vegetables and um, the meat and the dairy and stuff like that so I would say that the base has these have been just broth, um, mm-hmm. some creams, and then vegetables. Lots of different vegetables. Yesterday we had a Italian chicken with gnocchi, and so I had never cooked with gnocchi before, and mm-hmm. that was fun and delicious.
1: How did you? Now we're foodies here. Did you make your own gnocchi, or did you you, you buy something?
2: No. I did buy it. Okay.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough job, making gnocchi. Boy, you know, you really yeah. have to know uh, yeah. your dough to make your gnocchi.
2: No, no, we haven't gotten that far. Um, my husband is actually, um, this is kind of another reason why I wanted to do the 40 soups during Lent, is my husband is a biochemist by um, by trade. Mm-hmm. And he is very good in the kitchen, I think, because he's such a good scientist. those science skills transfer over into food science, of course, in the mm-hmm. kitchen. And I'm very intimidated around him. And mm-hmm. the kitchen is, kind of been a source of stress in our relationship from time to time. You had to and, just
1: turn it over to him then, you know? <laughs>
2: right, well, but he's also in deacon formation right okay. now. He's finishing up and God willing will be ordained come August for oh, the Diocese of Des Moines. So he's really a little overwhelmed right now. With, mm. I should not say overwhelmed? He's, he's got a lot on his plate right now between his full-time job his vocation as you know, husband and father and then as his diaconal ordination preparation. So, But I wanted to do this because I wanted to take over meal planning and be confident in it and so for me it's also an act of love for my husband and my family um and because I can do soups I do soups well it's one thing I feel like I excel at in the kitchen and so it's really been it has been a labor of love for me and I'm enjoying it like I'm like I smile when I'm cooking and I find that I'm I'm really I'm really um by pouring myself out to my family in love I'm receiving that back so and it, and it's kind
1: of creative cool. too you know for Jeff and I we we spend a lot of time in the kitchen and it's you know you're creating you know you're you're taking what god has given us in these beautiful foods and you're trying to put them together you know it's like a work of art you know real chefs when they when they do that it, it is the love that's poured out from them and you know god gives them inspiration and and you know i think that most people who really like to cook a lot they, they do have, you know, I'm I'm getting old, I, I can't see as well as I used to be, I can't hear as well as I used to, but yeah. I can smell, you know, oh, yeah. and, and, and right. it's a sense of smell that, <laughs> that makes me love cooking because, you know, even though I can't hear the music that much anymore, I, uh, I can smell the aromas coming out of that pan and mm-hmm. I know what it's going to taste like at the end, you know.
2: If that reminds me of the one of the posts that we shared is of um of the, a carrot ginger soup. Um, mm-hmm. one of the contributing authors for the series that I'm running at my blog, and it's the soup that her mom passed down to her um, as she was growing up and my friend is probably, I don't know, I don't want to age her, but in her 60s, her mom is probably close to 90 mm-hmm. and it's the only dish that her mom can eat now because her health is failing mm-hmm. and so the soup that has come, you know, two, three, four generations and now the daughter is now preparing it for the mother who introduced it to her, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just something, this is a really nice story and it just really brings up a lot of emotions and um, how these soups can really be carried on generation after generation and have such um, family history to them or or a particular heritage or a cultural, um, you know, significance.
1: That's a story of us down in South Louisiana. We we have our foods, we have so many of our foods, and so many of the new young chefs take our taste and then kind of spin them a little bit, you know, change them a little bit, but we love those old traditional recipes that have been passed down from, I have my, my great grandmother's recipe that she wrote out for pecan pie framed in my kitchen mm. Mm. And just oh, because it's nice. just, yeah. uh, you know, it's written in her hand, oh, wow. you know, yeah. probably late 1890s, uh, in pencil. And, uh, and it just, when I found it in, among my dad's stuff, I said, you know, that's really That's cool as a treasure. Yeah, it
2: yeah. Is, a treasure. That is that is yeah. a and it's art of a handwritten note or recipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And that there's something too and we forget this, I think. We live in a culture today that is just so fast-paced and we 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 rely so much unfortunately on like fast food and eating on the go that we forget the spiritual dimension to cooking and eating and dining together. I mean, there really is something to
1: that on a on a spiritual level. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Especially in your family. You know, how many how many kids do you have, Lisa?
2: We have three, okay? Yeah. Wonderful. So, and we have a um, five-year-old, a two-year-old, and a uh, four-month-old. So, God willing, you know, we're open. We'll we'll give whatever God has will bless us with them. Um, it's we've had we struggled with infer- infertility and miscarriage, and so we're just we just feel blessed to have the three and remain open to whatever else we, comes into our life.
1: Well, that's great. So you're just so you're just kind of blossoming as a mom cooked these days, huh? Is that what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you probably haven't had a chance to cook in. Dur- in the previous five years, you know, once you get three, it gets a little easier, you know? The first two are crazy, huh?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Well, and my son, I have two girls and the son's in the middle, and he he eats like my husband, a grown man. Like, you give him a whole pork chop, he'll eat the whole pork chop. (laughs) um, And that's one thing. People have asked, well, how do you get your kids to eat soup? And I don't know. I guess my kids do. I don't know if it's because we get them involved in the cooking process or because we... You know, give them a piece of bread to eat it with. I don't know. They just they enjoy it.
1: Yeah, you so. just need to tell them because it tastes good. It tastes good. It yeah, tastes right. good. But I do think you 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 did hit on something. We've talked about this before. Getting children involved in the in the process of cooking, they they're invested in it. You know, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. you know when something comes to them that's foreign to them and gets introduced onto their plate, you know, and it looks like beets. And they don't like beets. They But if you, you know, if you t- show them a whole beet, and you cut up the beet, and you work with them, you know, they're kind of invested in it. You know, they 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 play a role in it. And then I think that it, it helps children. You know, the people that I know that are the best cooks, their their kids lead anything. Oh yeah, You know, yeah. because oh, yeah. they, they, they just, they, their kids are used to watching their mm-hmm. dad cook or their mom cook and seeing everything. And they're just much more adventurous. And and it, and it makes for a kind of a more well-rounded person. You know, when they get older, they're not going to go to someone's house and refuse to eat something. Right, you know, right, you know, right. They're, they're going to be that's happy right. to receive, as, you know, as scriptures say, you know, eat what's put on your plate, that's you what, know, instead right. of uh, that's right. looking around.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a, it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, I found, uh, I wrote an article. Golly, this is probably three, four years ago now about Saint Martha as the patron saint of cooks, but I'll but kinda like uh, kind of like how cooking can be seen almost as a as a ministry, both mm-hmm. in the home and also in the greater community. Uh, there's so many opportunities that we have for people who do love to cook. Uh, you don't have to cook just for your own family. I mean we I think we really ought to get back to building community through food, where you having people over from your parish or you know, from the local community, or your—I mean, the Knights of Columbus are great as far as cooking for like big events, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. whether it's the fish fries on Friday or uh, any other kind of fundraising activity in, in 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 the parishes all across South Louisiana. That's what I'm familiar with. Um, they do a great job of of doing that. But you know, they they're not the only people who can do that. I mean, we can have people over to our house anytime and and right. spread the the gospel with other people at the dinner table.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. and I agree. That's one thing I've um, that I've been praying about too is how to show hospitality better. Um, I mentioned my husband is in deacon formation, and we have the privilege of going to a Benedictine monastery for his theological training. And I've just really been introduced to the Benedictine way of life, and you know, welcome their whole phrase. How Benedict said, I'm not sure if I quote it properly, but welcome the stranger as you would Jesus or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And so one thing I've been trying to do is, is be more purposeful and mindful about opening our home and our table um, to people. If it's, a you know, new parishioners, if it's um, another new mom with a new baby who maybe seems a little bit overwhelmed, um, or, or if it's just taking them a new meal after she has a new baby or something like that. So, right. um, yeah, it's, it's it's been a way to connect with, with fellow parishioners here, that's for sure. Well,
0: that is beautiful. Beautiful. Lisa, thank you so much. We are running out of time here, but thank you so much for being with us today. And we can find you at ThePracticingCatholic.com, correct? Correct.
2: And thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. My
0: pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. God bless you, Lisa. Well, uh, Monsignor, we're at the end of the show already. I can't believe it. Now, you have an event coming
1: up. Well, you know, it just plays on right what we were talking about with Lisa, which is uh, cooking for large amounts of people. We do it in our parish. We feed the poor twice a a month about 200 and 300 people over at the rebuild center but we also do our own parish events our, our big one is one of our big ones is corpus christi we have a big eucharistic procession and we have a meal after that but our the grand date of them all uh for our parish is saint joseph day oh yeah and uh this year saint joseph day falls on a on a wednesday and um last year we fed um over two thousand people oh wow um, we know because we count the plates and mm. uh all that's for free People donated, and uh, we're having it again at uh, at St. Stephen's Church, Napoleon Avenue. Mass is at 8.30, Blessing of the Altar, and then the, the meal starts being served at 11.30 until we run out. Oh, and fantastic. Uh, anybody is around in New Orleans, welcome to come by. And inside the church, we have a beautiful altar uh, for people to come and leave their petitions and and. and Pray to St. Joseph for intercession. Awesome. I'd love to be there. Hopefully we can. And uh, Monsignor, before we go, can you give us a blessing, please? I will. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, folks. See you next Friday. This production is affiliated with SQPN, the StarQuest production network leading the way.